Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. However you found your way here, we are glad that you're joining us here online. Hey, I can't wait till we're physically together. But this is truly a history in the making season. And we're continuing our history in the making series conversation. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at the first 15 verses. A pretty decent amount of scripture. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 1. Grab your Bible. Grab your notes. Tell your kids if they keep talking, then they're going to get in tr- trouble. No, I'm just playing. You let your kids run around. It's fine. It's fine. I know it's really hard to keep the kids seated, sitting down and, and engaged on a TV. It's fine. But let's lean in today to God's Word to see what He has to say. John chapter 6. Let's look at verses 1 through 15. Let's read this together. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. That's really important. He already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are they for so many? Verse 10, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. There were leftovers to Jesus feeding 5,000 men What is happening in this text? When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's pray, and then I want to dive into this text. Let's pray, and then let's dive in. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so grateful for this incredible opportunity to gather together through the web, on our phones, on our TVs, and to lean into your word. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit be the teacher. Do what I cannot. That's changed lives. God, I pray that no matter where people are at today, they feel your love. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, throw it in the comments, would you? All God's people said, amen. I love this text so much. This is a very profound text in Scripture. It's not just a story. It is 
history. This is a true. He looked up and he looked around and he saw a need. And when Jesus saw a need, he had compassion. Two of the gospels specifically reference Jesus showing compassion. One of the passages in Mark shows, says that he looked out and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this compassion that Jesus had caused him to respond. You see, I believe that so many of us are comfortable where we are, comfortable in the season that we're in. Maybe in this season, you, you kind of just looked in and said, okay, I'm, I've kind of got enough problems of my own. I'm going to focus on myself in this season and try to get right on myself in this season. And I want to encourage you right now, look up, look around and see the need. I believe that compassion without action is indifference. Compassion without action is indifference. Now, you may say, that's offensive. I care. I genuinely care for people. I love people. I just don't have time. No, I care. I just don't have the resources that I had last season. I care, but this is a little bit of an inconvenient time. I'm going to say it again. For those, for those in the back, compassion without action is indifference. What need is there right now with the people around you or the people in the community that even though you don't necessarily want to admit it, you felt like maybe I have been indifferent towards? You know, this isn't just you. The disciples had the same exact response. When they were first approached, when Jesus said, how are these people going to eat? The disciples' first response was, Jesus is getting late. Send them home to go get food. This is, I mean, the disciples, sure, we care. But if you could just let this problem go away, that would be great. And I can imagine Jesus just saying, look up, look around, see the need. I encourage you. Look around. Process number two. Listen up. Listen up. Jesus did respond to the disciples, actually, and he said, uh, no, you feed them. And we see four responses in the text that are given towards meeting this very specific need to the people being hungry. And the first response that we see, as he says, is, is that the disciples wanted to send them away in Mark chapter 6. Now, there's a significant need. There's very minimal resources. What makes the most sense here? Jesus, we have 10 to 20,000 people because it says 5,000 men, but that doesn't account for the women and children. Uh, most theologians believe that there were at least 10 to 20,000 people. And here you have 12 disciples and very little resources, significant need. What makes the most sense? Send them home. And there were nearby towns that they could have walked to. But Jesus wants to teach them something here. Jesus has a lesson for the people that maybe, just maybe, it's not about the food. Maybe it's what God wants to do in their lives. 
I also love the compassion that Jesus shows here when he says, he's been teaching them all day. We see from the, uh, other, one of the other texts, we see that Jesus had been there healing people and teaching them on the kingdom of God, and it was late in the day. And I love how Jesus says, don't send them away, you feed them. Second response that we see is from Philip. And this is when Jesus asked Philip, how, how much bread would we have to buy to feed all of these people? And I, I love accountant Philip. He's like, well, actually, uh, if you crunch the numbers, 10 divided by 27 and 37, if you divide them up by 50, denarii bread, okay, looks like we're going to need two. I don't know if that's how Philip acted or not. Hey, he may not have been a nerd. He may have been, you know, really cool. Uh, not that nerds aren't cool. Anyways, uh, he was counting the numbers and it totaled to 200 denarii. A denarii was about a day's wage. And so, and even Philip, after calculating the numbers, said, even this might not even be enough. And you may be thinking to yourself, now why is Jesus picking on Philip? Why call out Philip? Why not just ask the disciples at large how much? Well, it's because Philip was a native He was from Bethsaida, which was the closest and nearby town. This is about nine miles away from where they were currently standing. So it would have been quite a trek and quite a hike for the people who are already really hungry. But he knew that Philip would know where in town to buy food and how much in that town it would cost to feed this many people. But I also believe that God had a plan for Philip. I believe that God wanted to demonstrate to Philip a a miracle in his life, and he wanted to strengthen his faith. When I think about Philip's response, one of the things I've I've been just kind of processing as I look at this text is, Philip has seen Jesus heal the lame. He's witnessing Jesus heal the multitudes of sickness and illness. He believes that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. And when Jesus asked this question, Philip doesn't say, what do you mean? How much does it cost, Lord? You have all of the resources. You do the miracle. His first response is, well, let me calculate the numbers since you asked, and and let me see what makes the most sense and how we can reasonably make this happen. The reality is both Jesus and Philip knew that there was no amount of money that they didn't have that could provide the necessary bread and resources to feed these people. How many of us do that in our lives when there's a great need, a significant need, maybe in the people that are around us or the community around us, and we're like, I really want to meet this need. I'm, I'm going to do it. Give me a second. Give me a second. We go back and we're like, okay, so we have this much in the bank. We really need to save this much money. Like God may be calling us to this thing, but I don't know. Like it's not really adding up with my budget and my plan. God, it's, it's going to cost this much. And, and to be honest, we, I don't really have it. We, we put limits on the miracles that God is capable of based on our rational thinking. We've witnessed countless miracles way above and beyond feeding people. And yet, we say, ah, we rationalize it and we put limitations on his power and his work in our life. I believe there's a lot to be learned from the lesson that God was trying to teach Philip. Before I move on, I want to talk about the third 
response. But before I do, I want, I want to share about just how we're processing this as a church. I talked about looking up and looking around and seeing the need. And in this season, there's significant needs. We, we've looked up, we've looked around, and we've asked the questions. Like how can we best love? How can we best serve uh, you? We've asked you to send us your needs. And how can we love and best serve the city? And, and, then, and then we've listen, listened up, you know, as we begin to hear the needs and hear what God may be calling us to. And in this season, I just want to let you know, like, we're not calculating our dollars and cents. Almost every of these big initiatives that we've done that we've said yes to, from the giving generously to BVSDs or to the hospitality or providing food for the families, is we, we haven't had the resources to do any of this. But God has called us to go above and beyond generous in this season. I remember communicating to our team early on in the days, if we find a need, we're going to meet it. We are going to give above and beyond. It's already God's. All of it is already God's. We're just looking to say like whatever he calls us to, 100% of it is already his. We're just going to release out to the community what is already his. We're going to be obedient to that, not calculating the dollars and the cents, which is what I believe Andrew did. If you look at the text, you see Andrew comes on the scene and he says, so there's this boy, it's five loaves, it's two fishes, and this is, this is what we have. And Andrew comes to Jesus with what he has and what he found. And Jesus performs an exceptional miracle. Uh, I, I, one thing that I love is how Jesus takes it one step further, which he always does. As far as scripture, you always want to look at the fine tunes of the details about what is actually happening in the text. Barley was the cheapest bread that you could find in the day. So this isn't like it's like, hey, like Andrew's bringing like, yo, I got this sick sourdough. Like if we feed this thing over the next couple months, like we can multiply this sourdough. And I'm sorry, I'm wearing a sourdough cake. My wife keeps making a lot of sourdough and it is delicious. Sourdough chips, sourdough pizza, bread, French toast. We're, everything is sourdough and I'm loving it. Shout out all my sourdough people now. No, if it was barley, I'm not eating it. Let me, let me just tell you right now, I'll put barley in my smoothies. Barley is not the most delicious thing you've ever tasted in your life. But anyways, he brings before the cheapest bread before him, five loaves of barley. And then he brings two fish. Now, these aren't king salmon. I just, this isn't like, I got these two fish. I don't know how many. No, these are little. Right now, I want to tell you that anytime that you discount what God has given you, your gifts, your resources, which by the way, are all given to you from your father in heaven. We're going to talk about that in a second. And you begin to doubt and you, maybe you feel shamed, ashamed over. That is the lie of an enemy who wishes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Those are not the voices of Jesus. Jesus says, what, what do you have in your hand? Give it to me. I'll do more than you could possibly imagine. The third response, the fourth response, which I believe is the most significant response, is Jesus' response. In verse 11, it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So all of the fish, as much as they wanted, when they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled them with 12 baskets. 
with the pieces from five barley loaves and what was left over by those who had eaten. The fourth solution came from the Lord when he said, give it to me. Give it to me. And the third part of the process that I want you to understand, the first is look around, see the need, feel the compassion. Uh, Second is listen up. And the third is let go. Something that I, I don't want you to miss from this text is that you would think that this moment that this miracle happened probably happened when Jesus was refreshed. Oh, Jesus is refreshed. He's, he's, he's had rest. Jesus has been, spent an hour in his prayer closet. Jesus is, Jesus is feeling good. That's why he can pour out so much. Jesus, Jesus must, he's got that infinite power from God. That's why he can pour out. I want to tell you right now, this moment in Jesus' story came at the most inopportune time for him. And I don't want us to miss this in the text. It's, I believe that some of the most significant moments in your life come at the most inopportune times. The most significant moments of your life comes when maybe it's just not convenient for you. Jesus, this was a moment where Jesus actually was retreating to be alone and to be with his disciples and to find rest. Jesus had just heard reports that his good and dear friend, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And you have Jesus in a moment where he's tired, where he's grieving. Look up, look around, listen, and lean into a miracle for the people. You may be saying to yourself, this is not the best time for me. I want to encourage you right now. What if some of the most significant moments of your life, the miracle God wants to do in your life, the provision God wants to provide in your life came at the most inopportune time? There have been many moments in my life and in mine and Jess's marriage where God has called us to do things, where we looked at each other and we said, this doesn't make sense. Why would God call us to give this now? Why didn't he call us to do, give that two months ago? Why would God call us to say yes to foster care now when we, we, have any, we don't have any kids yet? Like we're in transition of new job and, and a new home. Like why would that make sense now? Looking back on God's faithfulness over my life, the most significant moments of my life came at the most inopportune times. A final point is, is let go, and that's watching God provide the provision that we cannot provide. <clears throat> the miracle first took place in the hands of Jesus, not the hands of the disciples. He says, he took the bread. He said, give, me, give it to me. What in your life are you still holding back from, from giving to God that he wants to multiply in your life, provide for you in your life? I want to make it very practical for you. What if you look at your bank account and and you're crunching your numbers in the weekend and you say, okay, God, this 10% is all yours. This hour on the weekend, all yours. The other 166 hours of the week, all mine. The other 90% of the resources, all mine. 
What if God is saying, no, you don't see what I see. It's all mine. It's all mine. Stop trying to formulate it. Stop trying to rationalize it. The car you drive, yeah, that's mine too. The kids you have, oh yeah, they're mine too. The marriage you have, yeah, that's mine too. Let go already and trust God with what's already his. Don't look at your bank account like that stimulus check you got, and you're like, yes, I got money. This is my money. It's God's money. If God tells you to give it away, to give it to the poor, to give it to your church, it was never yours to begin with. When you look at your bank account and you say, yes, like we're doing good, like we're saving this, saving this, what if God calls you to give it all away? You don't think he's done that before? Sell all of your possessions and give it away? Well, God, you know I can't do that. Well, then you can't follow me. How are you going to follow me when your allegiance is 50-50? If he's not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? Is he master of all, king? It's not about the bread. It's not about the signs. It's not about political gain. It's about a relationship with God. What sign then are we going to do so we can see and believe, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness just as it was written. He gave, bread, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Lean in. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. From the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. This is, this is beautiful. Listen to this. 35, verse 35, he says this. I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry again. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Let me paint the picture for you right here. You have Jesus giving this beautiful preaching on the kingdom, healing the sick, feeding 5,000 on a mountain. And you have the bread and he's by the Sea of Galilee. You have the water. And he says, all who believe in me will never be hungry again. They will never be thirsty again. So you see, this story is not just about bread. It's about the bread of life and how God wants to give us abundant life through his son, Jesus. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they might have abundant life. Second Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Sufficient, satisfying, all that we need, more than enough. If you look at John 6, 40, this is just a few verses later, he says, For this will be the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. You see, what God was trying to communicate to them is, is that I have more than enough grace. I have more than enough unconditional love. I have more than enough provision, more than enough resources. But you got to believe in me. You got to put your faith in me. You got to trust me. 
And even the people were confused. What are you going to perform? What are the signs? Where is this bread? And he just keeps saying over and over again, do you not see it? Have I not made it abundantly clear? It's me. It's me now. It's always been me and it's going to always be me. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And I want to ask you today, would you receive the bread so that you cannot be hungry again, so that you cannot be thirsty again, so that you can be satisfied with something so much more than hunger? So often God draws us from a, a specific need in our life, and we think if we get that need, we'll be good. If we get that money, we'll be good. If we get that raise, we'll be good. If we get that house, we'll be good. If we have those kids, we'll be good. And, and we, we have this hunger for a specific physical need in our lives. And God is just saying, no, everything that you ever need is found in me. Every desire you have is found in me. The love that you need, the relationship, the, the community that you need, the provision that you need is found in me. Would you come to him today? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace... God's unconditional love. You are saved through faith. And this is not of your undoing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody can boast. Meaning God wants to give you a gift today. He wants to offer his bread, his blood. He wants to offer his, his death, burial, and resurrection to you today to say that you can be forgiven if you believe. You can be saved if you believe. As we see in John 6, you can have eternal life if you believe. I want to invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer. And no matter where you are, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. I don't believe that the words is what saves you. It's only your faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. But we see in Romans 10, 13, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is a public declaration of you saying that I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you. I confess that I have sinned against you. I believe that God has raised you from the dead. And right now, by faith, I say Jesus is Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. By your grace, I am saved. And by your power, I am set free. And all God's people said, amen. If, that, if, if you said yes to Jesus today, then we are celebrating. I believe that's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. This will change everything for you. Scripture says in, in Corinthians, for if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, all things are made new. You are a new creation in Christ. Like you are now a son or a daughter of the King. And we want to know who you are. Would you go to pinewood.church? Fill out a connect card. Check the box that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. We want to follow up with you. We do not believe that the Christian life is meant to be in, uh, lived in isolation and alone. We believe that's meant to be uh, best lived in the family of God, where we can encourage one another, challenge one another, and grow together in our faith. So would you go online, fill out a connect card. Also want to invite you now to, to grab your bread grab your juice, grab your wine. And during this next song of response, we're going to have a time of communion. Communion is taking the bread and the juice or the wine, and it is remembering. 
when Christ's body was broken for us and his blood that was poured out for us. It's a remembrance of truly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we see that as we take communion, which is one of the ordinances of the local church, we see it talked about in the old, lived out by Jesus and commanded for the church for us to do as the body of Christ, as a way to both remember and declare his resurrection until he comes. I want to read this passage of scripture and then I want us to spend some time during this song to reflect on his death, burial, and resurrection, to pray, to confess, and to declare the gospel. I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll have a time of worship. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This is the cup, is the new covenant established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.